Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. Um, If you'd like to join me, you can join me in Psalm 139. Uh, this morning, this week, we're we're moving back into our our dangerous prayers series. Our our dangerous prayers series over the last couple of weeks has had a little bit of a start and stop, start and stop with baptisms, and then we had the special word last week from Bright. But this week, I want to invite us to pray what is probably the most dangerous prayer that we're going to look at. And actually, this prayer is so dangerous. Um, that we're actually going to have to take a couple of weeks to work through this prayer because it's going to, if we can pray this prayer with real sincerity and real depth, um, it's really going to challenge us in lots and lots of ways. We, we, but over the course of this series, we, we've talked about praying God's will, not our own, to be done in our lives. And, and that's dangerous because it, it's scary and it's it's worrisome and it takes a lot of a lot of faith to hand over our dreams and our desires our wants the things that that we would look at our lives and say this is what i want out of life and to hand that over to somebody else and say but i'm going to put what you want ahead of what i want and that's a difficult thing because we, we believe we know ourselves and, and we believe we know what's right for us and we believe we know what the best course of action in our life. And so then to say to somebody else, I'm going to let you have all of those rights in my life is a, is a scary thing. And we talked about having a heart that says yes to God no matter the question. Maybe even before we even know the question, where it's just whatever God wants, my answer is yes. That, that it's not just God have your will be done, but God use me to do your will. And we've talked about being like an open book towards God, having a heart towards God that, that is just open and honest to a level that is maybe a little bit uncomfortable. That, that as we would enter into the presence of God and, and we can be open and honest to say, God, this is how I feel. God, this is what's going on in my life. God, God, these, these are the things that, that I'm trying to hide from you that I know I can't hide from you, but I'm still trying to hide them. That being willing to be open and honest. And even last week, Bright's message, where we were called to have, have a faith and a trust in God, to, to believe in the promises of God's word even in the face of whatever else might be telling us a different message, to look to the Word of God and say, that is the report I'll believe. But this week, I want to talk to us about something dangerous. Because we're going to invite God to work in our lives in ways that that we're not even aware of He needs to work right now. That, that we're going to ask God to bring to light some things in our lives that maybe would change the way we view ourselves or, or view our, our, our world. 
the context for this prayer, and, and the context is important to understand because it shows us the heart from which we need to be willing to pray this prayer. But the, this prayer was written by David before he became king, um, and but it was written at a very pivotal and actually really scary time in the life of David. We know, we know the story of David and Goliath, and, and we know that that's where, where David really becomes this famous David. Um, but he, so he, the, the Israelites, they're, they're being taunted and, and they're being sort of intimidated by this giant named Goliath. And everybody's afraid to go kill Goliath. And, and finally, there's this shepherd boy who, who is, is not famous and he's not well known. But, but he says, look, if God is on our side, we can do this. And so he goes and he, he fights this giant and he, he kills the giant. And it's this amazing moment, but it's also this, this, this moment where things get kind of awkward in the kingdom because, see, he's not the king. He's been anointed to be the king. And so when, when Saul's not the king anymore, David is the next guy in line. But Saul still is around. But he sees, oh, all the people love David. And so he brings David in and, and brings him into the, 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 well, not the castle, but the, where, where the king lived, um, into his house. Yeah, there we go, into his house. Um, I was going to say into the castle, but that's not right. Um, but, uh, but the people continue to love David. And they don't love Saul the same way. That, that David was brave and had valor and stood up, and Saul didn't. And so the people begin to really love David, and Saul begins to become jealous. And he begins to resent David. And even as David is doing his best to serve the king for Saul, David's presence is becoming more and more problematic in his life and in his kingdom. And so Saul becomes angry with David and even lashes out at him in times of ways attempting to kill him. But at a certain point, Saul, he, 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 or he, he accuses David falsely of treason. And David has to flee for his life. But, but Saul isn't content to just get rid of David. He needs to get rid of David. And so he sends his army off to go find and kill David. Now, with all of his heart, David wanted to please God. Was, was he wanted to discover, even as he's on the run for his life, what is God's will for my life? How can I best follow God? He, he fought against his anger in order to protect and show honor to the king. There's this, this amazing story in 1 Samuel chapter 24, where, where David's on the run for his life from Saul, and there, he's got a small group of, of soldiers with him that were loyal to him. But, but Saul, in, in his pursuit of David, he's actually called away because he needs to go fight the Philistines. Um, and so, so David and Saul, they're, like, the, the number one priority for Saul is not David at this moment, but Saul or David and his men are on a, on a journey trying to get away, and Saul and his men are trying to fight the Philistines, and they're actually brought together at, at a place called um, Engedi on the, on the west side of Palestine. And Saul's battle with the Philistines also leads him there. Now, this area is known for having several large caves in it. And, and so, as chapter 24 opens, we see David and his men, they, they've gone deep inside the caves, thinking we won't be found here. And 
It's into this same cave that King Saul wanders in one day, doing or looking to do the kind of thing that you would want to have privacy from everybody else from. To, to go off on his own, away from, from his, his army and his men, he's going to use the bathroom. And so he's in the cave using the bathroom, the same cave that David and his men are hiding in. And so as he's doing what he's doing, David's men realize Saul is here. And they go and they tell David, like, this is it. This is your moment. He has no idea we're here. He, ha he has no defenses. There There's nobody with him. He's all by himself. We can end all of this right now. You just go and take care of him. And we're finished. We, we can walk out of this cave. You can walk out of this cave as king. And so David hears what, what his men say, and he hears what their, what their advice is, and he goes and he sneaks up on Saul. But instead of cutting his head off or, or killing him, he cuts off a little piece of his robe and takes that with him. Why does he do that? Why, why cut off a piece of his robe? Because then later on, when he's standing face to face with Saul, he presents this piece of robe to him and says, you have no idea that I was able to do this. And if I was able to do this, killing you wouldn't have been that much harder. You had no idea I was there. But instead of killing you, I honored you. And so David is in, the, it's in the context of, of this struggle that David's on the, the run from Saul, but trying to honor God and, and trying to, to not do what he wants, but what God wants, and trying to navigate sort of the uncertainty of, of this, this situation of he's been anointed king, but there's still a king, so he could take care of the king and, and become king, but he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't think that's what God would have for him. And so it's in this context, in this sort of inner turmoil, that we find David. And David, in this moment, he, he knows something about himself. Something that's, that's true for all of us. David knew that no matter how good, no matter how right, no matter how altruistic everything he was doing seemed to be, David knew that deep down in his life, sometimes his motives always weren't perfect. You maybe have heard the expression, the right thing done the wrong way is the wrong thing. Even if we do everything right, if we do it the wrong way, if we do it from the wrong motives, if we do it for the wrong reasons, it becomes the wrong thing because our heart's not in the right place. I'm sure many of us know that it's not just doing the right thing that matters. It's not just doing the thing that matters. If, if you've ever been a parent of a teenager and, and we're on the, the cusp of being parents of a teenager, you know that you can ask your teenager to do something and they may do it, 
But just because the task gets done doesn't mean that it was like, oh, that was great. That was a wonderful experience. The dishwasher got emptied and praise God. It may have taken three hours of fighting to get that dishwasher out. Like just because at the end of it, we've done the right thing, it doesn't necessarily mean we've done it the right way. And David, he knew, he believed in his heart. I, I'm doing the right thing by honoring what I believe God would have me do. But he wanted to make sure that he was doing the right thing the right way. And so in this moment where David's hiding for his life from a king who wants to kill, kill him, instead of the focus of his prayer being for strength, instead of the focus of the prayer being for vengeance, and instead of the, the focus of the prayer being that God would set things right, David does pray those things, but, but he concludes it not with the point of the prayer being this. He, he says all of these things, but then he says, now God, I need you to do an inventory of me. So even as he's praying that, that God would, would set things right, David surrenders his heart before God and prays one of the most vulnerable, transparent, and dangerous prayers you'll ever hear. Wanting to honor God with every aspect of his being, David prays this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Not only is this prayer difficult to pray, but it's even more challenging to think about and to live out. Because the, what this prayer is, is this is a prayer, it's an invitation to God to show us the places in our life where, we're th where we think we're right, but where we're actually wrong. The places in our life where we think we're right, but maybe we're actually wrong. Now, if there's one thing that's universally true, it's that people don't like to be told they're wrong. And especially when they believe they're right. Especially if I think I'm right, I believe I'm right, I know I'm right, don't tell me I'm wrong. And if you're going to tell me I'm wrong, we're going to have to talk about this. And I think that's true for all of us. That if you believe you're right, and someone comes to you and says, actually, this thing that you believe in your heart of hearts is right, is wrong. I don't know the kind of humility we all have to live with to be able to go, thank you for that, I've changed my heart. We believe we're right. But this is an invitation to God. The God who created you. The God who knows you better than yourself. In fact, up until, the po up until this, Psalm 139 is famous for being about that. 
That this is where David will talk about, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You, you know me better than I know myself. We're asking that God to, to do an inventory of all the areas of our lives and show us where we think we're right, where we think we're good, where we think of all the areas of my life, I think I'm okay in that one. And asking God to show us where things maybe aren't the way we think they are. Praying, asking God to search my heart, Lord. See, most of us are at least marginally self-aware enough to be aware of the areas in our life where we miss the mark. That, that most of us, you know, we may not publicly be like, hey, just so everybody knows, here's where I'm a screw-up. But most of us in our lives are marginally self-aware enough, self enough to at least be able to say to ourselves, Brad, here's, here's where you're a screw-up. Here, here are the things that you don't do right. The places where we could be doing a little bit better. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's our relationship with our kids. Maybe it's our contentment with what we have. Or, or maybe it's our jealousy with what others have. Maybe it's the things that we look at on the internet. Maybe it's the secret or, or not so secret addictions in our lives. We can be aware of the places that we fall short. For the most part. Some people are oblivious to it, but most of us can at least, if, if, if in a moment of honesty, we're, where, where, where are you falling short? Most of us could say, I could be better at whatever it may be. But by the same token, many of us have some places in our life where we feel like, well, at least I can hang my hat on this. Places where in our relationship with God, we feel like I'm doing okay there. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's our devotions. Maybe it's a theology that we have that makes us feel a certain way. Maybe it's a political understanding. Maybe some of the things that we just mentioned that could be difficult spots. Maybe for you, you would say, nope, I, I don't think that I struggle in my marriage. I think I've got a really good marriage. And instead of them being hard places, they're, they're places that we feel good about. That we can say, whatever else is going on, at least I got that. But this prayer isn't asking God to show us the places where we know we're struggling. This prayer isn't asking God, God, show me again where I need you show, show me the places that you want to work where I know things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. This prayer is asking God to show us where we think we're strong. But actually, we're not as strong as we think we are. This prayer is asking, us, asking God to show us the places where we think we're right, but we're actually wrong. And, and that's what makes this prayer so dangerous. That what, that's what makes this a tough prayer to pray because this has the power to really break us down. See, we like to rely on the places where we think we're strong. That's what we can lean on. That's where we can find support that when other things are falling apart, we can go, at least I've got this. 
but to really expose some things in our lives that we had no idea were there, things that were actually good that actually were not. Be forewarned. This prayer has the potential to convict you, to, convict, or to correct you, to, to redirect your life, to change the way you see yourself, and to change the way others see you. See, what makes this prayer so dangerous is that if you have the courage to pray it, then you'll need the courage to live out what God shows you in reply. That it's one thing to be able to say, God, show me where I'm wrong, where I think I'm right. But it's another thing to then humbly say, okay, God, help me figure this one out then. Now, maybe as we've walked through this, as we've gotten to this point, you're thinking to yourself, no big deal. Maybe you think to yourself, why should I ask God to search my heart when I already know what's in there? I know me. I, I've done a lot of things to become self-aware. You, you know your motives. You know your strengths. You know your Enneagram number. Enneagram number. You, you know that. You, you know your Myers-Briggs profile. You, you know you. You've taken the tests. You, you've done the things. You, you know who you are. You know your weaknesses. You try your best to be self-aware. You know your heart. And if, if you know what's in there, then surely God also knows what's in there. So why would I need to ask God something so obvious? Well, this is where it gets a little tricky. See, on the surface, it seems like we should know our hearts. I, I know my motives. I know why I do what I do. I know the reasons why. I, I know when my motives aren't good. I, I know when, when I've done things out of duty or done things out of obligation that I should have done out of love. I, I know when I've done things angry because I had to do them that I shouldn't have had that. I know when I've said something that I, I, I would say, well, I didn't mean to hurt you, but maybe deep down inside there was a little part of me that was like, but I kind of hope it stung a little. I, I know when I've done these things. I try to be self-aware. Besides, you might even tell yourself, I've got a good heart. I don't try and hurt people. I'm not out to hurt people. I, I want to do what's right. Like, that's the cry of my heart, the cry of my heart. I want to do what's right. I, uh, my heart is good. I, I'm doing my best, right? But God's word actually shows us the exact opposite. Now, this might be a shock if you're hearing this for the first time. Because this, this is a concept that actually runs very counter to the culture that we live in that simply tells us today to follow our hearts. To, to let us be us. To, to look inside. To be true to you. To, to see what you want out of the world and go after that. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams believe in yourself 
But the book of Jeremiah gives us some, some straight talk about ourselves. Jeremiah what was the son of a, a, son of a Levitical priest born around 650 B.C. during the reign of King Josiah. And God, God raises, his, raises him up to take God's word to Israel. And, and one of the messages that God gives Jeremiah to speak speaks right to the heart of what we're talking about today. Jeremiah flat out says that you, along with everybody else, doesn't, don't have a good heart. In fact, not only is your heart not good, but, but your heart is wicked and sinful in all of its ways. Jeremiah says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's a tough one to swallow. I'd like to think I've got a good heart. I'd like to think I'm better than than that. So when we say, don't worry, I, I know my heart. The question would be, how well do we really know our heart? Do you know your heart enough to know that what you feel in your heart, what your heart may be telling you, may not be what God wants for you? And the places where we might say, but I know that the things in my heart that are this way, they're good and they're right. These may actually be the exact place that God is going to poke and say, that's not the way I need it to be. That's the place that we need to work on. Now, this isn't to say that somehow every part of your life and every moment of your day you are wicked and deceitful beyond all measure. You're good people. And we can do good things. And we can do right things. And, and we can follow God and you can be a, a good person. But it, it's to remind us to not become blind to the fact that we can still be deceived. That as good and right as we feel we're being, there are times and there are places in our lives where we can have the enemy at work and, and convince us that you're doing things that are right when in actuality... They're not as right as we thought they were. And so the point of our time together today is to allow God to show us our need for humility in our walk with Jesus. For God to show us our need for his eyes on our lives. For, for God to show us our need for us not to trust ourselves when it comes to ourselves, but for us to humbly open ourselves up for God to come and work in us, even if it's in ways we never knew we needed. See, the closer we get to Jesus, the more 
we have to face up to our shortcomings. See, there's this incredible moment in Scripture where Jesus asks his disciples, who, who do you say I am? And, and they sheepishly sort of unsure of how to answer the question. You know, well, some say you're Elijah. Uh, and and they, Jesus says, no, no, no. Who do you think I am? And as they sort of pause and turn and look at each other, Peter finally stands up and says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus comes and says, Simon Peter, you didn't just come to this awareness, but, but the Holy Spirit at work in you is showing you this. And he commends them, him in front of all of the disciples. And, and it's this incredible moment where, where we know Peter to be impetuous, but here his, his sort of like brashness and his willing to step out, it, it pays off. And Jesus commends him in front of everybody else. Then just a couple of verses later, Jesus is talking about how he has to go to Jerusalem and die. And this same Peter who's just been built up and commended and, and told in front of all of the other disciples by Jesus, man, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. He, he stands up to, in front of Jesus and in front of his friends. And as Jesus is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go die, Peter... The Holy Spirit is at work in me, and I got something to say. And he stands up in front of them, and he says, Jesus, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to let this take place. You're not going to die. We, we, we will fight to the death to keep you alive. And Jesus looks at Peter, who he's just commended, and said, the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart, man, in ways that, that even these other disciples, they didn't know what was going on, but the Holy Spirit is at work in you in a powerful way that's giving you insight into things no one else knows. And to that same Peter who he's just said this to, he turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. That Peter had no idea when he tells his friend, Jesus, I'm not going to let them kill you. Jesus, we've got this special connection. We're not, I'm not just going to lay down and let this happen. I got your back, man. He had no idea when he said that, that that also wasn't from God. That, that the motives of his heart had switched really, really quickly. And so for each one of us, we, we, it's not one or the other. It's not somehow, hey, either you're following God or you're a complete and awful sinner. And for the message for this morning is all of us are in the second camp, just so you know. Have a wonderful holiday weekend. See you next Sunday. That's, that's not the point is that you're all, we're all just diseased, awful sinners. But the point is, we, like Peter, can have a foot in both camps. And sometimes the foot that's in the get-behind-me-Satan camp, we have no idea it's there. Peter had no clue. He, he wasn't trying to be that guy. 
he, he undoubtedly charged with all of the stuff that's going good in his life was like, I can say this. I just heard a message from God that no one else could hear. I got some authority. Jesus, we're not doing that. For us today, as we take the next week or two to look at this prayer, it's an invitation to say to Jesus, which feet are in which camps? And there are going to be some feet in our lives that are in the wrong camp that we have no idea. But it's asking God to let us know which feet it is so that we don't have to have the get-behind-me-Satan moment. We don't have to have the moment where, where, oh no, this was not right. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more the light shines on our shortcomings, our, our pride, our selfishness, our lust, our addiction, our critical spirits, our jealousy, our whatever it may be. Praying this dangerous prayer can op well open up a channel of communication with God where instead of just simply asking God to do something for us, we're asking him to reveal something in us. This moment of truth with God may not change you instantly, but it will help you recognize your need or your spiritual needs and help redirect our lives. And so I'm, today, I'm going to invite us to invite God to do something deep in us. To do something life-changing in us today. And to believe that as he works in us, that we will have the humility to accept his work. And the trust to trust him, to see it through to the other side. And to understand that when we get there... It's going to be better. We're going to be better than when we started. But it may not be the most pleasant journey the whole way. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that for every person gathered here, every person watching online, every person who listens, God, I thank you that there's a universal truth that will tell us that you are at work in every single one of our lives. God, that, that there, there's not a life that you've walked away from. That there's not a person so far gone that you've given up on them. And there's not a person so far perfect that you don't need to. But God, I thank you that in each one of our lives, you are at work. And God, as we pray a prayer like this as we invite you to come and search us God I pray that you would help us to be able to have the humility to hear the search results the ability the humility to be able to, to hear the voice of the Lord speaking to our hearts whispering in that still small voice maybe loud and, and booming but to be able to hear, maybe I need to look at this. Maybe I need to reevaluate that. Maybe I need God to come in and work in ways that I never knew. 
God, I thank you that as we approach you and as we invite you to come and work in us, God, I thank you that we have no need to be afraid of you. That we have no need to be worried about how we'll be received. That we have no need to be worried about what's going to happen because we know you love us unconditionally. We know that you know what's already there. God, I pray that you would just help us to be able to manage ourselves as maybe we discover what's there. God, I pray that as you do this deep work in us, as you do this work in us that that maybe we didn't even know we needed, God, I thank you that we have the promise that on the other end of this, God, we're going to be so much closer so much more connected, so much more the people you've called and created us to be. As we lay down our idols, we lay down our sin, we lay down the places where we're falling short, we offer them over to you, we give them up to you, and and we get to see your healing hand at work in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to work in us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Sometimes we feel so lost we think we'll never be found Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. Running like a prodigal My mama praying every night that God would save my soul Even in the dark he never ever let me go I hit the wall face to face with the Holy Ghost Where would I be without God's good mercy? So let me tell you my testimony Someone praying for you every day Now that's amazing grace And we're singing like oh Don't give up, don't give up on the ones that you love We're singing like oh